podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time to get into another Thursday Whip Around show. You guys are going to hear from all sorts of my friends talking about not only the upcoming K-State game, but we're going to get a little bit of K-State volleyball and soccer talk at the end, and the Big 12 game of the week as well. I absolutely love putting these Thursday shows together so you guys can hear from not just my wonderful voice and hear Chauncey Bosco scurrying around in the background, but get to hear from folks covering K-State, covering the opponent, and covering the entire Big 12. So, without further ado, let's kick it to my guy Blake and see how he sees the K-State game going this Saturday. What's up, everybody? This is Blake from the Shake and Blake Show. Thanks so much to Scott for having me on the Thursday Whip Around. Really appreciate it. If you haven't heard of us before, the Shake and Blake Show is a K-State sport podcast hosted by myself, Blake Crawford, and John Grove, who you'll hear from a little bit later. We cover all things K-State sports. We also recap games around the Big 12 and uh, all college football news when it comes to playoff expansion and conference realignment. We also have relived old K-State games in our series Willie's Archive. We've done 1998 K-State versus Nebraska and 2012 K-State versus Oklahoma, if you'd like to check those two out. And sometimes I'll occasionally challenge John in some K-State sports trivia as well. If any of those things sound interesting, make sure to check out the Shake and Blake Show wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Shake and Blake seven eight five. That's Shake the letter N Blake seven eight five. We'll be going live on Wildcat ninety one nine this Friday at six p.m. to preview Tulane, so you can listen on the radio or download the Wildcat ninety one nine app to catch us live Friday at six p.m. If you can't catch us live, don't worry, we'll upload it wherever you get your podcast. Just have to look up Shake and Blake. Now on to week three. The 2-0 Kansas State Wildcats face the Tulane Green Wave. What a great name that is, the Green Wave. After a dominant win over Missouri, 40-12. Deuce Vaughn with his eighth consecutive game with 100-plus rushing yards. Defense looked phenomenal. Four interceptions in a row. That is truly some special stuff, folks. On to this game against Tulane. The theme to me for this game is tying up loose ends. The foundation for this team has been laid. We're all aware of Deuce Vaughn's greatness. This defense as a whole is obviously going to win this team a lot of games. Even the biggest question this year, the safeties, have turned out to be some of the most electric players on this team. Josh Hayes and Kobe Savage, both transfers, have been flying around and causing havoc like we haven't seen in a long time. Even VJ Payne, a true freshman, has had some quality reps at safety. The O-line, despite a tragic injury to Taylor Portier, still seems to hold up pretty strong, especially in the run game like to see a little bit better pass pro, but I have faith that they'll get that done before we face Oklahoma. The foundation has been laid for this team to pick up eight wins at least based on what we've seen so far. 
But if this team wants to get to double-digit wins and play in Arlington for a Big 12 title, week three is the time to get it together, tie up those loose ends before you meet one of your biggest challenges this season in Oklahoma. The first loose end that needs to be tied up is the thing that's on all K-State fans' minds. We know Adrian Martinez is a great quarterback with a good arm, but it would just be really nice just to see one big play over the top before we enter conference play. One big shot to Phillip Brooks or Malik Knowles would put a lot of fans' concerns about the passing game at ease. Just to see Adrian Martinez make a big pass in the purple and white and not have to look up his highlights at Nebraska to see something like that. Martinez and company do have valid excuses for the first two games with a big lead and a weather, respectively, being a good reason not to air it out. But if everything works out, in my opinion, Martinez should have over 200 passing yards and at least one pass over 20 yards. That is totally doable, pretty low expectations. That's just really all I ask. Second loose end is something that fans take for granted a lot. It's the kicking game. Chris Tennant obviously has a great leg. He had a 51-yarder against Texas last year, which is tied for the longest by a true freshman in K-State history. But you'd really just love to see a clean game. No missed field goals or PATs. Doesn't need to hit a 50-yarder, break any records. Just need to have one good game and carry that momentum into the next one and the next one. And once you get there, you're smooth sailing from there because you have that confidence. The fans have the confidence in you. And that is so important as a kicker to have. So that's the second loose end that needs to be tied. Finally, one last loose end I'm looking for K-State to tie up. It's already been pretty much tied up for the first two games, but it's something you definitely do not want to untie before you enter conference play and that's keeping turnovers and penalties to a minimum even though bill snyder's retired strong special teams and not shooting ourselves in the foot is a motif that should be in every story of a k-state football team the narrative with adrian martinez coming into the season was his turnover struggles at nebraska but so far through two games hasn't turned the ball over at all only fumbled once against south dakota but i think in my opinion you just have to tip your cap to south dakota for some creative blitz design Penalties were a bit of a problem against Missouri. A few offsides, a few false starts, and notably a Cade Warner pass interference caused us a really big play on that wheel route to Deuce Vaughn. So for this Tulane game, I'll be looking to once again win the turnover battle and the penalty battle. So for K-State in this Week 3 matchup against Tulane, it's about tying up loose ends before you begin the gauntlet of Big 12 Conference play. I'd like to see Adrian Martinez pass for at least 200 yards, one or two passes over 20, I'd like to see Chris Tennant have a clean game, make his PATs, and whatever field goals he is asked to try. I'd like to see no turnovers and less than five penalties. I think all of these are easily doable, especially when you look at Tulane's defensive numbers from last year. Woo! They are not great. Uh, No offense to Tulane, but this is the last freebie K-State is going to get this year. So now is the time to tie up those loose ends and set yourself up for a trip to Arlington now. Thanks so much to Scott for having me on the whip around and all you boneheads for listening. If you'd like to hear more from me or John, you can check out the Shake and Blake show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at shakeandblake 785 You can take our K-State sports trivia quizzes on sporkle.com and look up K-State sports trivia round one, two, or three to take those. We'll see you when we go live on Wildcat 91.9 at 6 p.m. to preview Tulane. And until next time, Cats by 90. Thank you to one of the super talented folks working at K-State and at Wildcat 91.9, Blake. Now it is time to go behind enemy lines and see what the folks down in New Orleans 
straight from the voice of the Green Wave. Corey, we'll see what he has to say about the matchup coming up this Saturday with the Tulane preview. Hello there, Wildcat fans. My name is Corey Glor, and I'm the director of broadcasting and voice of the Tulane Green Wave. The fine folks with Bosco's Boys have asked me to give you all a little breakdown of the wave. So without further ado, a little glimpse into the Alvin Blue for you all here for this weekend. Tulane is out to a 2-0 start to the year with a couple of cruise control wins, 42-10 over UMass in week one, 52-0 over Alcorn State last weekend. Now, the win over Alcorn marked a couple of firsts for this program. It was the first shutout since 1997 and led to Tulane's first 2-0 start since 2002. So two weeks into the season, Tulane holds the nation's best pass defense, allowing just 66 total yards to the air against them so far. Opposing quarterbacks are just 9 for 25 against the Wave with four interceptions. 2-0 this year means Tulane has already matched their win total from 2021, a chaotic season that saw the wave pushed out of New Orleans for the first month of the year due to Hurricane Ida. They were living in a hotel in Birmingham, Alabama for nearly all of September. So Tulane was forced to go on the road to Oklahoma to open the season last year instead of hosting the second-ranked Sooners. And you all may remember that they nearly pulled off pretty stunning upset in week one. It wasn't until about two weeks later when things began to start showing signs of falling apart. They got drubbed at Ole Miss in week three. There was a long rain delay. The game didn't kick off until 10 o'clock at night, and that was the final weekend that Tulane was staying in Birmingham. A bunch of key injuries happened in that game, and just being exhausted mentally and physically from living away from home for a couple of weeks, that game began the slide for Tulane football. That was the start of an eight-game losing streak. Now, last year snapped a string of three consecutive bowl game appearances for Tulane, something that had not happened here before. So getting back to December football is very much the goal here in 2022, and proving last year was an aberration that was fueled by more than anything Mother Nature throwing everything out of whack right at the start of the year. Because of losing two home games at the start of the year, they lost Oklahoma and they lost a home game with Morgan State. They played that in Birmingham last year. That was one of their two wins. But also traveling to Ole Miss, which I just alluded to, they also hosted a good UAB team in their return to New Orleans in week four. After that, they saw a league slate that did not feature the current bottom feeders of the American, Temple and Navy. So Tulane's schedule last year was actually the hardest that they've had since 1996, according to sports reference. And although the American conference schedule this year features the same exact opponents as last year, the non-conference slate is much kinder aside from the game this weekend. So that means the path back to the postseason is far clearer in 2022 than it really ever was in 2021. There are road trips to Houston and Cincinnati on the docket in league play, but the home slate features some opportunities in this league to really climb back up the ladder. First two games of the year have not been perfect, though. A few key injuries have arrived, including starting nose tackle Adonis Freelu. He went down right before the week one game with UMass with a knee injury. He's done for the season, as is receiver Fat Watts, who suffered the same injury against Alcorn State last weekend. So that means Tulane moves forward without their best run stuffer up front and one of their better playmakers for the rest of the year. 
Two weeks in, quarterback Michael Pratt has been terrific. Five touchdowns, including three over Alcorn last week and a career-high 318 through the air. He also ran for a score in week one. His mobility is a very good weapon when needed for this offense. It got him into a lot of injury situations last year. They've reined him in a little bit when it comes to the ground game here in his third season. He is also playing under his third different offensive coordinator. Jim Sabota comes in after being the head coach at Central Missouri and he is now running the show here this year. Running back Tajay Spears got out of the gate strong this year, three touchdowns in just the first half against UMass. He wasn't really needed to do much against the Braves the following week. He suffered an ACL tear in the early stages of 2020, and now Spears is fully healthy. He is as shifty and as dangerous as you will find in the backfield. He also wears the number 22, so this Saturday could pretty much come down to which number 22 has the best day, and whoever does that will have the win. And as fate would have it, Tajay Spears, who is a local kid here from suburban New Orleans, he chose Tulane over Kansas State in the recruiting process, while the wave was very much in on Deuce Vaughn early on in his recruiting process. Defensively, the linebacking duo of Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson really paced the whole operation. Williams is an NFL-caliber backer, and he just grabbed his first career interception last week. When he hits people, you stay hit. While Anderson is smaller than Williams, his ability to be at the ball and not make mistakes is unparalleled. He went down with an injury last year in the aforementioned Ole Miss game, and he was out for a couple weeks. There was a noticeable drop and how this defense performed without him on the field. He is this defense's on-field leader. He is this whole team's off-field leader. He is that important. This defense also features a name that might be familiar to you all, cornerback Lance Robinson. He started things off in Manhattan, transferred to Tulane last season. He's part of this nickel defense. Macon Clark, the nickel back here this year, is the centerpiece of the whole secondary. He was free safety last year, had four interceptions, already has one here in 2022. This game is also a little bit of a homecoming for seventh-year head coach Willie Fritz, born and raised in Shawnee, played at Pittsburgh State. Coach Fritz is coaching his first game back in Kansas since he's not even sure the last time he was there to coach a game, but he was pretty sure it was when he was a coach at Division II Central Missouri back in the 2000s. He has had a lot of ticket requests for this game, too many to count, frankly. Coach Fritz is looking to do something he has not yet done, and that is beat a Power 5 opponent. Fritz is 0-7 against the Power 5 in his six seasons here in Uptown New Orleans. So to finally notch a win, he's going to need to see his defense do their best to contain Deuce Vaughn, which admittedly no one has been able to do in about a year. So if Vaughn does rack up yet another 100-yard effort here this weekend, the Wave have to make sure this does not become a two-pronged offensive attack with Adrian Martinez leading the show. On offense, it'll be important for the Wave to take their time and really take what's given. Tulane has seen this type of defense before the Tulsa Golden Hurricane run a similar defense, and so Willie Fritz has seen this year in and year out. But the 3-3-5 that the Cats usually play with, deep plays downfield might not really be there. And so taking the medium gains, grinding out possessions is going to be key. It'll be a fascinating test for this two-lane club who got what they were looking for to open the year, but against maybe the worst team in FBS football and an FCS program, the step-up in competition this week is 
dramatic. They might not see a better team all season long. They might not play in a louder building all season long. Maybe Cincinnati in the last weekend of the year would make a comparison to what Bill Snyder Family Stadium should be this Saturday. So a win this week would not just be passing a big-time litmus test, but recalibrate the goals of this season, not just wiping away the bad taste of 2021, not just getting back to bowl game status, but being a true American Conference challenger in 2022. That's what a win could do here for this program. That's all I got. Hope this gives you a better idea of what you might see from the Green Wave this Saturday. Looking forward to calling this game from one of the best venues in the nation. If you want to hear Coach Fritz give his thoughts on this matchup, we have our official podcast here at Tulane called The Current. You can find it on all the podcast platforms that you are used to. Coach Fritz joins me every week for that, and our chat about Kansas State is available now. So if you want to hear straight from the horse's mouth, go find that. Big thanks to Scott and the Bosco's boys for letting me be a part of the proceedings here this week. Here's to a great game on Saturday, and roll away. And thank you to the voice of the Green Wave coming to us from New Orleans. Before we get to the Big 12 Game of the Week preview, folks, you know them, you love them. It's the most fresh, the most delicious, and one of the greatest selections of beer straight from the source in the great state of Kansas. That is Manhattan Brewing Company. With the game at 2 p.m. this week, that gives you plenty of time to go in, select one of the pints straight from the source, maybe a second one, and grab a couple four-packs and get to Bill Snyder Family Stadium to become the most loved guy at your tailgate. Also, be on the lookout for their beers all across the state of Kansas. And if you don't see them, start pestering your favorite liquor store and tell them they need to get Manhattan Brewing Company. I have been in love with their pumpkin batch pumpkin beer. You guys know me. I'm a pumpkin boy, and it is one of my favorite pumpkin beers of all time they also have what i'm calling is the tailgate starter pack with the towny wheat the 785 pills and their kolsch absolutely delicious crushable make sure you're grabbing a four pack of at least one of those and taking them to your tailgate this saturday now because we are now part of the 1012 network as they have come under the sports drink umbrella i'm kicking it to my friend from the Tortillas and Takes podcast, Jeremy, as he gets you set for this Texas Tech-NC State game, the Big 12 game of the week. Well, welcome one, welcome all. This is the People's Champ of the Tortillas and Takes podcast. That is Jeremy Gillen. So glad to be invited by Scott to take up some digital space on this illustrious Bosco's Boys podcast. We are all, of course, a part of that 1012 network. You're home for the news on ever-expanding Big 12 empire. This will be your uh, Texas Tech, let's call it the Blitz Cap Preview. <laughs> it's ugly. I just made it up, uh, but it feels right. So I'm going to hold your hand through all things Texas Tech football from last Saturday to this. Starting off with recapping a really quickly a uh, double overtime victory Texas Tech had 
over the Houston Cougars in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech puts Houston in a 14-point deficit at the half, leading 17-3. But a big, pla- uh, big pass play from Houston's Clayton Toon to Tank Dell right out of the half set up a 17-10 game before a critical pick six by Houston uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter that tied things up. And after a go-ahead field goal by the Cougars, Donovan Smith uh, leads the Red Raiders on a six-play, 46-yard drive with 34 seconds left on the clock. Uh, miracle set up to get the game, uh, the tying field goal that sent us to overtime. And then Texas Tech's defense prevailed in second overtime, forcing Houston to settle for three points, while Donovan Smith uh, pulled out late-game heroics and scampered nine yards for the game winner. Now, Smith actually ends the day with 351 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions, and despite that negative ratio, and the only reason I'm mentioning it, mentioning it, is that he does become the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, just t- truly incredible. Um, uh, the Texas Tech defense kept Houston to 266 yards to the air and 88 yards on the ground, creating interception as well as a fumble. So, next up for the Red Raiders, and the only reason you're here and hearing this is that um, we're traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina. We're taking on the 16th ranked North Carolina State Wolfpack, um, one of the biggest question marks in the top 25 for me and for a lot of people it's the first time these teams are meeting up since 2002 nc state came to lubbock with a little known quarterback philip rivers uh i think love i think tech pulled out the win in another overtime game in that one um but on the slate of on the slate of games for week three in the big 12 this has got to be at the top of the list for you texas tech is coming off a hot to trot double overtime victory against a ranked opponent for the first time since 2019 Head coach Joey McGuire has been a sensational piece of revitalizing this Texas Tech brand and faces one of the toughest first four game stretches in college football this season. Uh, the Wolfpack of NC State, they're no slouches. Uh, they opened up slow against ECU to start the season, but a dominating win over Charleston Southern helped kind of solidify that 16th spot in the AP poll. Expectations for the Wolfpack are high after finishing 9-3 and last season. Currently, they're averaging 38 points and 441 yards of total offense per game, and that is in large part due to junior quarterback Devin Leary. He is known for being a high-flying passer, a gunslinger of sorts, and uh, an incredibly mobile quarterback, so definitely a dual-threat quarterback. But when he decides to hand it off, you can expect to hear the name uh, Demi Sumo Kongbe. Uh, he is quickly becoming an efficient runner for the Wolfpack. So, Texas Tech will actually look to continue their success in stifling the run uh, the run game for opponents as the Red Raiders are giving up an average of 69 yards a game. Nice. But that by no means eliminates NC State's offensive power, which definitely resides in its passing attack. But I always think that forcing team into a one-dimensional uh, game plan is never a bad thing, right? So speaking of defense, the Wolfpack ended last season as a top 15 defense in the nation and is looking to do something similar this year. You know, their sample size this season really isn't too foreboding of their talent, right? So they played... ECU, they almost lost that game, and they play Charleston Southern, uh, two, two teams as a top 25 team they should decimate. Um, but they've allowed nearly the same amount of stats as Texas Tech with much lower quality opponents. So here's the thing. Here's the reason we're here. Here's the big bullet points, right? Uh, Texas, Tech, Texas Tech has not won a back-to-back top 25 game, um, top 25 games since Mike Leach days in 2008. It's a long time. Uh, the last time they even beat a ranked opponent on the road was against Oklahoma State in 2018. NC State is looking every week to make a statement and affirm their ranking. So if you scroll across any Wolfpack message board or Twitter, you'll see a resilience, a stubbornness, a hubris, you call it what you want, uh, in their fan base. But they're talking like, you know, they're about to roll Texas Tech up and smoke them. And you know what? By all intents and purposes, that very well could happen. (laughs) This is a younger team. We have a quote-unquote backup quarterback and a brand new staff, including head coach who is only two games in uh, for his career as a head coach at the collegiate level. The fact that we beat Houston. Uh, that was shocking. That was a surprise. Um, 
some things I think Texas Tech have going for them is the fact that, you know, we are kind of seen as this middling, if not lower end of the Big 12 team, right? It's easy for teams like NC State and their ranking to look at Texas Tech and think, you know, Power 5 program, big name, easy dub, right? So a little bit of work, but you know what, we're going to come away with the wind. And that kind of stuff gets you in trouble. Uh, Donovan Smith is a dangerous quarterback and for, <laughs> for both teams, really. <laughs> uh, the Houston game showed the good and the bad. Our offensive line is uh, is the big question around Texas Tech right now. Uh, and when Smith doesn't have time, then obviously the game becomes disorderly, right? Kidley is a great offensive coordinator who will be looking forward on uh, ways to upset NC State's defensive scheme. So the more time Smith has in the back, the more detrimental that becomes for NC State. So the amount of talent around him right now, the wide receivers that we have, the tight ends, and the duo of running backs we have between Sir Roger Thompson and Taj Brooks, this is going to present the Wolfpack with an issue of leveraging their defense in the right ways. That's how you get around defenses that set up in that 3-3-5. You know, Iowa State does it. NC State does it. A couple other teams have picked it up. Um, you know, leveraging your defense in, in that kind of spread multiple fashion is going to be helpful uh, for kind of picking up points where you can. But they just haven't had the quality. So the, NC State's defense just hasn't had the quality of talent come at them this year. And I'm interested, I'm just really interested to see how it turns out against their first, you know, Power 5 program of the season. Uh, Texas defense, uh, Texas Tech's defense also, been surprisingly strong. Our secondary was, is, always, will be a touchy point, right? Giving up some big pass plays through the air, but we're not giving up 500 yards a game yet. Um, that's a win. That's a win for a Texas Tech fan. There is a lot of leadership around uh, the defensive backs, but the strength does come on our line. And the new defensive coordinator, DeRuiter, loves applying pressure. Right now, Texas Tech is one of the highest rated teams in applying pressure on opposing quarterbacks. That does include Houston, who's a ranked team, so it's quality stats, <laughs> right? And leading the way for that is Tyree Wilson. He is quickly flying up, flying up draft boards for his size and his mobility. Uh, Leary has been good through two games, but that ECU game showed you just how much trouble their offense uh, can get in when you when you start putting pressure in the backfield. The, the line is in favor of NC State by 10. Obviously, people in Vegas are not expecting this to be a blowout by any means. And it's always been my belief that home field gets you at least three, right? So what we might be looking at for this game, as far as it goes, uh, is kind of a who has the ball last kind of game, right? I think NC State being home, I think them being ranked, they're going to come out really strong. But Texas Tech will show some resiliency, resiliency, pull back within reach or tying it up at the half, you know, making it exciting. And the second half is where the attrition and the game plan comes into play. Right, so uh, for the Wolfpack, you got to be looking to create turnovers. Smith had a difficult week last week adjusting to the game plan for an incredible pass rush from Houston's Parish, and that left a couple of opportunities for the Cougars to create turnovers. For Texas Tech, you need to stay dynamic on offense. Right, Houston gathered a lot of steam when Texas Tech abandoned the run throughout the third and fourth quarters, and back-to-back -back rushes actually is what got us into the end zone during that first overtime and kept us in the game. So I have zero doubts that the Red Raiders will be ready for this game come kickoff. Coach McGuire is famous for his charisma, but does charisma take you over a number 16th ranked team in the nation in their own house under the lights at night? Probably not in your first year of coaching. <laughs> I hate to say it because uh, our podcast team is flying out to Raleigh to watch this one, but I do think NC State will have a game-winning drive late to put them up for good, and the Wolfpack wins 31-24. But the show goes on. For all the realest commentary on Texas Tech athletics from football to volleyball, you have got to subscribe to Tortillas and Takes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, tortillas underscore RRS. And of course, check out our amazing Instagram page at tortillas and takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people.
and thank you again to Jeremy for that Big 12 Game of the Week preview. All right, before we finish things up this Thursday, remember to check out our friends at Charlie Hustle. If you want the most comfortable, the most stylish, and the coolest looking officially licensed K-State gear, check out Charlie Hustle today. Not only do they have the most comfortable t-shirts in the world, they have joggers, crew necks, and hoodies. So while you're checking out that great officially licensed K-State products, including the Youth Sizes Deuce is Loose official Deuce Vaughn t-shirt, including the brand new Script Catterdays shirt or hoodie, they also have a little something called the Arrowhead Collection. So if you're listening to this on a Thursday and you're thinking to yourself, man, I need a little, I need a little bit of red for my Thursdays and sometimes Sundays. If you, if you have enough purple in your closet, but who really has enough? You can always use more purple. They also have the Arrowhead Collection. They also have the classic Kansas City Hearts and Kansas City Landmark shirts. So check them out today. Now let's get to the second half of the Shake and Blake show on Wildcat 91.9 for the Wildcat Roundup. Then we will let you get on with your Thursday. Let's do it. Welcome into Thursday Whip Around, part of a Boss Goes Boys podcast. I'm John Grove, co-host of the Shake and Blake show. And today, we'll take a look at what else is happening in K-State sports. The Volleycats won three of its four matches last week, including a home win over rival Missouri to go with a 2-1 weekend at the Rambler Challenge in Chicago. Both Sidney Bolding and Mackenzie Morris picked up all tournament team honors at the Rambler Challenge as Bolding led the team in blocks and aces while Morris was the team leader in digs. At the time of this recording, K-State has not played Kansas City yet, but I'm going to whip out my crystal ball here and say that K-State has beaten Kansas City in four sets. Hopefully I'm right and not looking incredibly stupid right now. K-State will then fly down to Houston for the Adidas Invitational this weekend, competing against Rice on Friday night at 6 p.m. and number 17 Creighton on Saturday at 2 p.m. Both matches can be listened to on the K-State Sports Network. K-State soccer bounced back after a tough loss to Purdue with a 1-0 win last Friday against Yale on senior night. Andra Muller scored a lone goal of the match in the 38th minute. That's her first career goal as a Wildcat. The Wildcats continue to put the pressure on even with the lead in the second half, taking 21 shots in the game, more than doubling Yale's shot total. That, mo- that win moved the Wildcats to 3-3-1. K-State soccer wraps up the the non-conference slate of a 2022 season, facing Colorado State at Boozer Family Park on Thursday night at 7 p.m., then will travel to Brookings, South Dakota to face the Jackrabbits on Sunday at 1 p.m., before starting conference play at Iowa State on September 22nd at 6 p.m. Thursday's match will be available on Big 12 Now on ESPN+, as Brian Smoller and Oscar Montenegro will have the call. The men's golf team, led by individual champion Cooper Schultz, didn't let up in Tuesday's final round of the Wildcat Invitational as the Cats closed out the season opener with another strong 18 holes to win the team's first championship. They will have a week off before returning to action on September 26th and 27th at the Old Town Collegiate in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Tune in to the Shake and Blake show this upcoming Friday from 6 to 7 on Wildcat 91.9. If you can't catch us live, we'll upload it to wherever you get your podcast. Special shout out to Scott for having us on the whip around. And until next time, Cats by 90.
Podcast Network.